behind every spooky horror movie is a notion that the events really did take place. But is that true for the 1982 hit classic film The Poltergeist? Reportedly, yes. The film was based loosely on the events experienced by a 1953 New York family, the Hermans, and their little boy, James. But the film's story centers around a little girl and a poltergeist who terrorizes her and her entire family. It seems that superstitious legend holds that a number of strange deaths are connected to a curse on the Poltergeist film series. Was a curse the cause for the deaths that follow the film's trilogy series? What strange events occurred on set? What followed the cast and crew members home after filming? We talk about this and much more on episode 22, the curse and paranormal aftermath of the film, The Poltergeist. If you've landed here at Hollyweird Paranormal, it's clear you're a fan of mystery, mayhem, and the unexplained in Hollywood true crime. I'm Dr. Shiloh, a former cop. And I'm Dr. Scott, a former Hollywood entertainment professional. We're now both forensic psychologists working in Southern California. Are you fascinated by the internal processes of criminals? Do you wonder, how could they do that? In each episode of our podcast, LA Not So Confidential, we dissect the nexus where true crime, forensic psychology, and entertainment meet. We'll serve up fascinating cases viewed through the lens of human behavior, delivered with our signature gallows humor. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play at LA Not So Confidential. We're ready for download and subscription. You can also follow us on Instagram at LA Not So Podcast and on Twitter at LA Not So Pod. Come and join us for LA Not So Confidential. Hey, boo, hey. Hey. Hey, guys. Welcome to Hollywood Paranormal. We are a Hollywood true crime and paranormal podcast. And if you're just tuning in to our podcast for the first time, who welcome? Where have you been? Exactly. And if you're tuning in once more, then we've missed you. Where have you been? I know. Seriously. <laughs> Happy Halloween, queens. Yes. So you heard it in the intro. We are going to be talking about the Poltergeist Ooh. movie mm. and what influenced the movie and our thoughts about mm-hmm. the occurrences that happened on set. Yes. And, of course, the paranormal aftermath. Mm. I know. There's a lot of tea we got to spill on um, this set. I yes. know. <laughs> yes, there is. Bryce has many thoughts. You know, it's funny. This is actually one of the very few horror films that I've seen in its entirety. <laughs> yep. Really doing it. The research that I will do for this podcast knows no limits. <laughs> Unless it's a horror film and then there's a very hard limit. Bryce is Carol Ann I really am. out cry. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. This movie. I think my spirit animal is the psychic, the old lady. Oh she's my, my god. Whole, Zelda Rubenstein. She's my whole world. She is. I just I love her in this film. Yeah. I mean, she's just such a like it's so funny. She's such a weird little like icon of the eighties. Like she you is. have all this like yuppie culture and like new and everything has to be like the latest cutting edge but then like in the midst of that you have this like woman who's in so many movies it's like the little sassy old lady and I am here for it (laughs) so here for it I'm here for her um her like bifocal or her Mm. bicolor like Mm -hmm. aviator glasses Mm -hmm. when she walks in I'm like Yes. That is a quan. Right yes. <laughs> her little twist, her, her hair, her yes. little quaff, and then her dress. She comes in, like, put together. Mm. She's, like, serving some 80s realness right you there. You cannot fight a ghost if you are not put together. That is just no, facts. Not without your aviators. Yeah. Her future was so bright, she had to wear shades. <laughs> oh, I loved her in that film. And her voice and everything just, like, made it worthwhile. So, guys, um, I guess... We can um, begin by going all the way back. And now, you know how we do. In order to begin, Mm -hmm. we need to go back. We need to go back to 1953 and, surprisingly, 1653. We always go back to the 50s. (laughs) 
<laughs> our country is trying to go back to the 50s. Our podcast is going back to the 50s. It's mm-hmm. all relative. It's, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's Imagine right. It's trying to go back to 1650. Ooh. Ooh. Goody Tammy, you look so good in your little black frock. Um, do you like my apron? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Delicious. I have three of the same color Ooh. and length. <laughs> this one I was a little naughty. I went a little half inch Gasp. shorter. Ankle? Ooh, I ate. Which? Yes. Which? <laughs> Never. Mm. Maybe. All right, guys. So let's start with this. Before we go back, what is a poltergeist? Mm. Let's start with that. According to Wikipedia, uh, the poltergeist or a poltergeist is um, German for noisy ghost. And it's a type of ghost responsible for physical disturbances, loud noises, objects being thrown or destroyed for no reason. They usually haunt a particular person rather than a location. Hmm. And it has been said that a person with such a magnitude of anger can also make these occurrences manifest. Poltergeist history has been reported around the world since the early first century. Some famously known cases include the Enfield Horror, the Bell Witch, the, or what what people like to claim, the Haunted Boy or Roland Doe, Mm. and the Borley Rectory. Now, guys, we can go back to 1953. (laughs) Finally. Mm. Yes. So it started with a family. It started with popping sounds. It always starts with the sound that progresses into something a little more chaotic Mm. and or sinister, right? It started in a house in New York, a young boy and a poltergeist, I am not kidding, by the name of Popper. Oh, my God. Look, (laughs) you little gay club drug. Like, no, that is not scary. I've been to West Hollywood. You're not a ghost. Oh, yeah, poppers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're like, oh, no, it's a ghost. No, No. that is just a twink from the Abbey. You're fine. You do not need an exorcism. Anywho. How do you know? He throws glitter everywhere. Everywhere. Every freaking where. Don't eat it. Look at that ghost. No, that's your oldest son. It's fine. (laughs) Stop that. Now, according to prairieghosts.com, the Herman's house was located off of 1648 Redwood Path in Seaford, New York. Now, this is at the other side of where the greatest number of Indians were killed on Long Island from where the famous, it gets better, from where the famous Amityville house is located. Oh, uh, no. Already, we're in a trifecta of bad juju here. Mm. So the two movies made famous by the two separate movie series, and they are a few minutes drive from each other. What a coinkydink. So the great number of Indians were killed near the corner of Merrick and Cedar Shore Roads and Massapequa by John Underhill in 1653. So Ugh, now we're going John, to the 1600s. I know. Leave Native Americans alone. In both the Amityville case and the Poltergeist case, an angry Indian chief was killed on this land. This killing was done on behalf of the Dutch. The most famous Sachem chief of the Massapequa Indians was Sachem Takapushwa, who sold a large part of the area in 1658. Some point the finger to Takapushwa as being the Indian or the angry Indian chief that caused the disturbances mm. and hauntings in what became known as the Amityville Horror Movie, and then later the Poltergeist Movie. Hmm. These were just little claims. Now, the movie Poltergeist was inspired by the Herman family. Some believe that it was the Enfield Poltergeist, the Cheese Man Park Poltergeist, or the Black Hope Horror. That may have inspired directors Toby Hooper and Spielberg. So a lot of people think Spielberg directed this film, but I watched the movie last night, and if you tune into the first minute and a half of the credits, it says directed by Toby Hooper. Interesting. It does say that. Um, Spielberg was the co-director as well, and he was also the producer of this film. So it seems like there wasn't a shortage of poltergeists within the past few centuries, so... (laughs) The Herman family were just like any other typical family of the 1950s. The parents were working class parents. They had two kids Mm. and an average size home. Now, on February 3rd, 1953, was a day like most any other. It was clear and cold outside, and Mrs. Lucille Herman, a registered nurse, was there to welcome her children home from school and to prepare dinner. 
So the children were Lucille, age 13, and James, age 12. Two ordinary kids with ordinary interests around 3 p.m. Soon after, the two Herman children entered the kitchen. Chaos immediately erupted Hmm. in the house. In moments, various bottles containing liquid in different rooms of the house suddenly began to pop their caps and dance around. Just like the tweaks at the Appy. Yes. Right, right? <laughs> I'm really not sure that they didn't just like make a wrong turn, but go on. <laughs> like, oh no, we're being haunted. Like, no, you're in West Hollywood. It's fine. <laughs> you're not being haunted. Popping bottles of champagne. No one saw the bottles move or explode, but mm. all of them heard the caps as they popped loose and the bottle's contents went spewing into the air. Now, James Herman, the patriarch of the household, the dad, arrives at the house from work a short time after and ruled out the incident as perhaps, not even kidding, humidity. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the South and the only thing that was popping were my barrettes and my hair tie because the humidity was pooping up my hair. That's the only thing that humidity was like causing the popping sounds. We didn't have alcohol in our house growing up, so I don't know about that, but I do know that our doors would like either not close or pop open because the wood would swell we had like pine wood doors in our house it was very country rustic (laughs) um and so that would happen a lot where like the door would like you either couldn't get it closed because it was too swollen or if it was closed it would pop open because Mm -hmm. you would like hear it that still didn't accurately explain how the caps pop especially the ones that also had the screw top totally So two days passed and everyone seemed to have forgotten about the incident until it happened again around the same time. James started to suspect his science-loving son who had somehow rigged the bottles to pop to scare his family. He kept a close eye on James for the next few days until he tried surprising him or ambushing him in the bathroom. He (laughs) He charges in to the bathroom. Poor James is brushing his teeth just to see if James was trying to rig anything. But suddenly, right in front of him, several bottles of shampoo and other contents popped open right before his eyes. And I quote him saying, um, he was gooed. He was covered in goo because... Girl. <laughs> this, <laughs> it, this is salacious. Because all, like, like, the shampoo bottle, like, mm-hmm. just, like... You know, somehow, like, the cap popped open and he was gooed by the shampoo and mm-hmm. all this stuff just, like, just ensued. All this chaos ensued in the bathroom. Damn. So after searching the house for any rigged wires or any suspicious items, Mr. Herman called the cops to assist him with his Whoa. problem. Wow, okay. Skeptical at first, the police thought he was hallucinating, but since he was known as a respected member of the community, they decided to check it out mm-hmm. for themselves sending Detective Joseph Tozy to investigate the case. Now, over the next several days, Tozy kept track record of all the incidents in the house. So Tozy was another witness to all this unexplainable occurrences that were happening. More bottles popped, porcelain figurines moved and would throw themselves against the wall and break, and other phenomenon increase. They assisted the aid of Father William McLeod of the Church of St. William the Abbot, as news was breaking out about the incidents through newspapers, radio, and television. Newsday reporter David Kahn said in a Newsday, um, Newsday article called A Home's Bad Vibration that a British reporter saw a flashbulb leap from an end table and cream into the drapes and bounce twice on the floor. Whoa. So this went on a little over a month when the popper finally decided to leave the household. After tumultuous events, press and weirdos approaching the family from all around the world, the popper decided to leave and never come back again. Wow. So what was the reason for these strange occurrences? Was one of the members of the family causing this? We might never know until this day, no one has a clue why or how it happened. Now, there had been a record of 67 recorded disturbances between February the 3rd of 1953 Mm -hmm. to March the 10th of 1953. Unbelievably, the Hermans had been visited by detectives, building inspectors, electricians, plumbers, firemen, parapsychologists, and half of the weird 
like the weird nutcases mm. on the East Coast, and yet none of them had been able to present a satisfactory explanation for what had occurred in their home. Weeks after the household returned to normal, experts still came to investigate and theorize about what had taken place. In August of 1985, the scientists at Duke University still had no clue as to what happened and why. By this time, though, the Hermans had had enough of the investigations and just wanted to live their lives peacefully and normally. They just wanted to have a normal life again without any of these people coming around knocking on their door. James Herman no longer cared why the disturbances had taken place. He was just happy happy that they were just over he moved on he you know went to school got married and had kids of his own now mrs herman told an associated press reporter i don't think there is a definite solution it was just one of those things with no rhyme or reason to it but there was a definite physical force behind it Hmm. so this case had a lot of key witnesses Mm -hmm. people did see and they did record in video that they uh had witnessed all these things flying around even like news reporters would like come in and flock to the house to mm-hmm. see, you know, things flying in the air, bottles popping and stuff. Weird. Very weird. Now, here's a big theory, and this is something that I am having problems trying to research more of, but I have such a big interest in it in regards to psychokinesis. Ooh. But here's a relation with RSPK, which is called recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. What is, sorry uh, mm-hmm. to interrupt. What yeah. is the difference between psychokinesis and telekinesis? Psychokinesis is the ability to move um, thoughts, I mean, move things with your mind. Telekinesis, okay. I believe, is like to transfer words and communication with the mind. Okay. Yeah, to communicate with your mind. I guess you can say. Mm. Okay. Sorry, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. I just way genuinely... Way to go, way to go. Let I'd me... never heard of psychokinesis. It sounds 10 times scarier. <laughs> um, please leave me alone. Thank you. I mean, they're both alleged psychic abilities. Sure, sure. Um, with telekinesis, um, I know every part of you. It's like knowing a part of a person, knowing ah. their mind. So yeah, it's like knowing a part of their mind and what they're thinking where, you know, psychokinesis is just moving, you know, things with your mind. And we'll go gotcha. into that soon. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's been documented and has been um, reported and I feel like there should be more articles about this. And if anyone has like any links to those articles, I'd really like to read more about it. Mm-hmm. But with RSPK, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, it's typically related to poltergeist activities. So here's the things. Poltergeist activity centers around teenagers, males and females going through puberty. Sure. So we could say that um, the average range of these individuals can be between the ages of 12 to 18, 19-ish. Now, that's not to say that poltergeist activity doesn't happen to anyone outside of these parameters, because it does. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, this is the most prolific group by far, it seems to happen to. Hmm. So I'm going to assume that we're all... You know, we're all aware of our brains Mm -hmm. and of our minds and what they're capable of doing. You know, our brains are capable of doing some pretty amazing things. This leads me to psychokinesis. Mm -hmm. PK, for example, has been documented a few times. Now, the most notable that I can remember that has been documented, I believe it's Nina Kalogina. I think that was her last name. Um, Can't remember. I think that's her pseudonym other than her real name um mm-hmm. she was documented for 20 years performing feats of psychokinesis Whoa. much of that under laboratory conditions hmm. she was able to move objects with her with her mind that is some x-men bullshit it that is. is terrifying i know ultra right there yeah, um oof. with intense focus no doubt this is all documented mm. she is one of the very 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 few cases now rspk events happen when pubescent females and males are undergoing heavy stress loads. So whether that stress seems to be from an unhappy family life, school, outside pressures, or from the stress of puberty itself, there's always always seems to be a certain common denominator in every situation. So theories as to how RSPK might work range from our minds letting off steam Mm. During times of high stress or emotional turmoil to ghosts or entities taking advantage of young teenagers during what could be a window of opportunity. Could be. Oh, interesting. Making them susceptible to 
you know, poltergeist phenomenon. So this is something I really, really want to look into because it does make sense. Mm-hmm. You see cases like this in the Enville um, poltergeist mm-hmm. and the Herman family and even Roland Doe, mm-hmm. the, um, the real story behind the exorcist. Yes. And I'm sure many other cases. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of these cases, the the person, you know, who's being possessed or where all this, you know, chaos is, you know, ensuing around always focuses on a young child or mm-hmm. children. In the case of the entity here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. in Culver City, actually, where um, this woman claimed to have been assaulted and sexually assaulted by an entity wow. that just appeared in her house out of nowhere. But all this stuff started to occur in her house and to her while she had three young boys living in that house. Wow. She had three young sons. So they were all like between the ages of 12 and 18. Mm-hmm. So they feel maybe with three of their minds together with them going through all this stress because they were living under a stressful environment. Mm-hmm. Their mom was a single mom. Um, she had a string of un, you know unstable relationships. She would go to bars. They were like living like on the skin of their teeth pretty mm-hmm. much. Like the mom barely could afford rent and then this event started to happen to them. Interesting. Yeah. I think I wondered too like our brains aren't fully developed until mm-hmm. especially men our brains don't develop until like much later into our 20s. Do you right. know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I wonder if like the barrier for lack of a better word between like our world and then the aspects of our world that we can't understand or don't understand yet. I wonder if like as like with children they sort of traditionally like have less filter and less jadedness and the same thing like as teens grow and like there's like less of uh i don't want to say an ability but like less of a barrier between them and like whatever energy is coming towards them right so it seems almost like a manifestation that like meets the energy halfway you know what i mean well we mentioned this too in our listeners tale Mm. um where you know children growing up they're they're so they're like sponges they're so Mm -hmm. sensitive right this is why we should not have them got it (laughs) yes you're you are right go on and um you know they don't have the you know stresses of an adult right of a teenager you know what i mean and i feel like with these individuals between the ages of 12 and 18 they're crossing this threshold Mm. of their innocence into you know adulthood you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know thinking about it like high school is such a tough time Mm -hmm. you know for a lot of young adults because everything is happening so quickly and and, you know but their bodies are changing their minds are changing hormones hormones everything ghosts Mm -hmm. and in this case you know with this family it was not only james but Mm -hmm. lucille was also um between the ages of 12 and 13 yeah so maybe both of them were very sensitive and could possess like rspk Mm -hmm. both minds together probably you know causing these occurrences to happen and i always think about uh stories like what happened in salem yes um like if you've seen the crucible or Mm -hmm. read it which we've talked about i think a couple times before i'm like low-key obsessed with it (laughs) but the idea of like group hysteria and like what that can cause because it's that thing where like but physically there are things happening you know in that example to this group of young women they're cold they're fainting they're seeing visions that are corroborating with one another that must be in that time witchcraft or you know these children they're both like manifesting this same energy that must be like a ghost or a poltergeist or something and it's so crazy I think what the human psyche can like latch on to especially when you're sort of unstable and that I mean I'm mm-hmm. I know nothing about psychology do you know what I mean so this is just pure conjecture on my part like nobody do not listen to anything I say but it's so interesting to me that like these events keep happening through history on varying scales where like on one end of the spectrum you have people that are dying because of this like group hysteria caused by teenage angst essentially Mm -hmm. all the way to like families who are like experiencing turmoil within their home because of the same kind of thing i don't know i find that very interesting send us your real research because otherwise i will just keep 
wildly conjecting. No, <laughs> there is a movie that recently came out. It has Bella Thorne in it. It's mm-hmm. called I think it's called The Assassination Squad or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I've been seeing billboards And it's kind of it. like, I read an article that it's in, like, it echoes, like, the Salem Witch Trial. Oh, cool. And um, I just don't want to see it because it just looks a little pretentious. Sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, they're all, like, it's set in high school mm-hmm. and all hell breaks loose and it has to do with you know teen angst and Mm -hmm. social media Mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff so look there's only one movie i'll be seeing this weekend and that is a star is born because i'm a good gay and i will support (laughs) lady gaga how (laughs) dare they try and make me see another movie i can't wait to see that oh girl i I am like i'm I'm ready i'm ready for it did you hear that Barbara Streisand was on set yes i did hear that gave me so much life they had apparently they had a like private screening like it was very rough cut of like some of the very first footage in her home and they were like all there with her and like she kind of like not gave her blessing but like made a speech and like talked about the importance of this film and obviously I was crying as I was hearing about that you know (laughs) just Babs Gaga me I can't wait I just can't wait don't disappoint me don't disappoint me Bradley Hooper Cooper no it's Bradley Cooper Coop don't disappoint us Bradley Cooper all right, so here's another thing, too. It's kind of interesting that this occurred in 1953, mm-hmm. and the massacre occurred in 1653. Ew. Tricentennial. That is weird. So what is the next tricentennial? 53 to 100 years is a centennial? Oh. So we... <laughs> We're so bad at math. All right, well, let us know about math. I'll get my abacus. plus 300. <laughs> so it'll be 2253. Okay. Will be the next, I guess, haunting. So when they then, unearth this podcast from a time capsule <laughs> for posterity's sake, they but, will know. But also, like, the Amityville Horror was mm. another case that occurred in the 70s. Ew. So that's another interesting thought, too. But there's a lot of interesting connections here because yeah. this whole entire land where this family like had their house and had these occurrences was just down the street from the Amityville house. And mm-hmm. it is pre- predominantly on an area where this massacre happened with the Weird. Indians. Mm-hmm. So Lord knows if like parts of this land is, you know, cursed sure. or has some bad juju yeah. or residual vibes. Who knows? Yeah. Well... It turns out that this movie was made in regards or was inspired by Mm. the Herman family. Now, the film Poltergeist was released in 1982, and it's the story of Stephen and Diane Freeling, a California couple with three children. And Stephen is a real estate developer, and Diane stays at home with the kids. So in the movie, the family begins to experience some bizarre events. The littlest of the Freelings, young little Carol Ann starts to have conversations with the television set. One night, a hand reaches through the television set as an earthquake hits the region. Carol Ann announces ominously the famous, famous quote, Mm -hmm. they're here. Mm. Following the announcement, all manner of literal freaking hell Mm -hmm. breaks loose. Glasses of milk start breaking themselves and silverware twists on its own trees come to life and grab kids while little carol ann gets sucked into another dimension for the freelings it's scary business and filming for the poltergeist movie began decades after the hermans were affected Mm -hmm. by spirits but the cast and crew of poltergeist seem to have been uh, just as deeply affected Mm -hmm. by the haunting as the Freemans themselves, because there's a lot of unexplainable occurrences that happen while shooting and even off the set. Mm-hmm. And Bryce, you had those receipts. Yes. So the first thing is that a lot of people believe that the curse, if you will, started because if, like, I don't know, spoiler alert for the rest of this podcast, <laughs> if you've not seen this movie, pause us. Go watch it really quick so that I'm not like spoiling. No, the seriously, end for go you. watch it. Yeah, I really watched good. it last night because I hadn't seen it in over three years. And it's not that scary. It is scary, but no, it's, it's like scary. <laughs> stylized and so iconic that like yeah. if I can watch it, you can too. Yeah. I feel like I'm just gonna give my seal of approval for like my fellow scaredy cats. Like, no, 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 you'll be okay. I promise. <laughs> um, I don't know. For whatever reason, this one doesn't scare me too bad. So I've seen it all the way through. Didn't even have to close my eyes. I'm so brave. 
Um, but in the scene, there's like this huge thunderstorm that kicks up, and there's mm-hmm. like essentially a landslide slash sinkhole, and she falls into that like pit of water. Yes. And then all these skeletons start popping up. Yes. And at the time, this is no longer the case, but at the time, it was actually cheaper to buy real human skeletons from like a science like someone who would donate bodies for posterity to like science labs, Mm -hmm. those companies, it was cheaper to get skeletons from them than it would be to buy like a prefab skeleton, like a fake skeleton. And that is no longer the case. Like in the movie industry, as we all know, the bottom line is like what rules over everything. Right. So we've talked so many times about like how actors and, you know the crew are abused in the name of profit this is like kind of a similar example where it's like it was just cheaper to buy real human skeletons Mm -hmm. so when she's in that pit of water she's actually in there with like an actual those are real skeletons real corpses (laughs) allegedly she did not know that no and so there was like a lot of controversy around that but that is where most people think that the manifestation of the curse actually began was that it was the disrespect and like the unearthing of these like actual human skeletons that were used because they were not donated to science like they were intended they were used in like a movie movie. set and And it like manifested the curse there's a part in the film where the family gets into the car Mm -hmm. and they're backing out and you see all these coffins not only popping up from their um from their house mm-hmm. from their yard but it's they're popping up everywhere yeah and there's this one scene where one coffin like pops up in Ugh. front of the car and you see the corpse being thrown yeah. to the windshield and Classic. right then and there like you're right um there's i mean look i've worked on film sets and i've seen some really good crew members handle things with care and um other crew members sure. not handle things with totally care. So, again, that's like, this episode is wild conjecture for Halloween, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) that is where many people think that the curse sort of got its first domino tip, and then from there, like, the material itself kind of Mm -hmm. manifests. So, um, the two main aspects of the curse are the deaths that occurred. Um, The first one was actually uh, based or not base, but the first one was O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. She is the little girl, and she was actually in all three of the films, the originals. She then died almost immediately after filming the third one. She mm-hmm. had like a bowel obstruction yeah. that was misdiagnosed, and she died. Oh, this is so sad. She died. She was 12 on the operating table. So they. Yeah, she, she died of a cardiac arrest. And like uh, allegedly, it was right after filming and it was misdiagnosed as Crohn's disease Mm -mm. and because of that when they went to operate the toxins like in her body basically just overwhelmed her system and she couldn't take the stress of like being in surgery Mm -hmm. and she died Um, so that's the first one because she was so young it was so sudden after the filming and it was like such an easy misdiagnosis like it's very odd that it was misdiagnosed essentially right you know and of course anything can happen but that is, she's the one, um, and she actually died right here at Cedar Sinai. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Which is so it's sad. Close to home, yeah. It's just like twelve years old is too young. I mean, any it is anyone dying is very sad, but like that she just made it. Like they literally had just finished wrapping, mm-hmm. and then she died. I think they finished wrapping in May, and she died in like June or July. I want to mm-hmm. say. Um, so it was like months after mm-hmm. and the film hadn't the third film hadn't yet been released um so that was the first one that people attribute as the curse like that you know she didn't even survive to see the final one and then the other one is actually the dominique dunn who played the oldest sister and she was only in the first poltergeist movie and she also was like very young she was 22 and she met a super untimely death she was dating um a very abusive ex and he like came back one night and he actually strangled her yes and she had actually that's why she had left him he had strangled her in the past and she escaped and had filed a restraining order and he had come back and he wanted to like try and make amends and allegedly he was a chef that that's not alleged he was a chef 
but he made a mask of her face out of chocolate and <laughs> sent it to I her. I read about that. Which I find so creepy. His name was uh, is Tim Sweeney, and he was a chef at uh, this famous restaurant at the time, a mansion. John Sweeney. Oh, John Sweeney. That's right. We will name him so that if you ever meet him, you Doesn't can throw matter. things at him. He's irrelevant. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he changed his name, but mm-hmm. still. Uh, yeah, so he came over to like ask her to take him back and when she said no he like went crazy and he started choking her again Mm. and he choked her for so long that she went into a coma and then he called the police on himself and said like I killed my girlfriend and I tried to kill myself they arrested him and then she was in the hospital for four days and then eventually she died in November so that was after the first one and she was also again super young and yeah it wasn't like a supernatural death. Like she was attacked. Yeah. And this was murdered. Brought on by a curse. It's just the fact that violence against women mm-hmm. is will always be an issue. Well, Apparently. <laughs> I don't think it should be, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. We really do live in the upside down or we do. Yeah, we don't, do. I don't know. Apparently we have to say this, but don't choke women or mm-hmm. anyone just without because consent. They don't want to be with you. You don't have to yeah. kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Go that's not good. No. I read a beautiful article in Vanity Fair that her father did. Mm. And I mean, from the very beginning to the end of her life, like it was just beautiful. He, in, in the article, he, you know, mm-hmm. talks about being in the hospital with her and telling her to, to let go, to stop fighting and let go. Oh. It was really sad, but he like, as a father to carry that burden, like I should have stepped in and done, and I should have done something. Like, yeah. He has that regret. Oh, God, I, I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, survivor's guilt. But, it is. Ugh, yeah. that's so sad. Um, so let's talk about less, slightly less sad things because <laughs> their deaths were both so untimely and yeah. so, like, just, again, not that anyone's death is, like, easy to handle, no. but just so young and so violent for yeah. done. And I don't know. I but just it, hate it. It's like the, it's that Hollywood tale. You yeah. Know? Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um, so there were several um, on set happenings that were also like sort of connected to the curse the main one is that um if you remember the scene there's that creepy clown in the bedroom that scene scarred me when i first saw this movie when i was young okay i was i think i was like 13 and i refused refused to like walk past or walk in a room with a stuffed animal clown or a clown doll no 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 yeah no they are really creepy. I don't know why. <laughs> that scene scarred me. I mean, I didn't. I don't mind clowns, but with a clown doll, fuck you. No. I I really don't like clowns. Mm-hmm. I saw it when I was very young, and it was like pretty traumatizing. And I had this weird like porcelain wind-up clown doll, mm-hmm. um, and it would, you know, it was like a very sad. Uh, like 1920s hobo looking clown. Oh, yeah. And if you would wind it up, it would like rotate kind of like on its little hip axis and play Send in the Clowns. So it was like this very sweet gift I think someone gave me. Mm -hmm. Um, But every once in a while, like the winding mechanism would kind of like unwind a little bit, like always at like two in the morning. And I would be like laying in bed, terrified of the dark, obviously. And it would just like... Rotate a little bit no. and play like one or two notes of the song. I had to throw that doll away. I was like, no, this great. Like, it was just the winding mechanism. Like, yeah, but still, after time, like it mm. unwinds a little bit more, and it would just like dee 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 dee. And I'm like, no, 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 no. that's no, gotta go. That has got in, to go. <laughs> bury yeah. in the backyard. So in that scene, um, Oliver Robbins, who plays the brother, mm-hmm. he gets attacked by the clown doll. But allegedly, on the tank that they use, which here we are again, actors are essentially glorified props, mm-hmm. um, He, the machine actually malfunctioned, and he was actually getting choked. And no one knew because they thought it was just good acting. And so he almost died because the clown was, like, malfunctioning and actually choking him. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? That is creepy This is and why crazy. you have a safety word. Like, yeah. <laughs> Look, friends, we all like a good choking, but you need a safety word. It is not okay. What would be yours? Um, I don't know. Something short and sweet. like Pizza. Pizza. No. <laughs> because I scream that too much. So it would just be, everyone would be like, what? We just got started. Like, I know. I'm just really hungry. Sorry. Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah. Why is everybody, I always feel like safety words are always food. That's very odd. Mm. It's never like 
a song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's very weird. Anyway. It's, it's either a food or a color. We've just peeled back, like, a dark layer. Yellow. Let's just close <laughs> that back open. Yeah. Um, so the last one that I want to talk about is uh, happened to James Kahn, who was actually the writer who did the novelization of the film after hit the first one had actually released. Oh yeah, I heard about this yeah, one. Yeah, this one I find a little creepy because the clown one is pretty creepy, but like you could maybe attribute it to just pure mechanical malfunction. The deaths are very creepy and tragic, but also they kind of have a logical conclusion. This is the one that like freaks me out the most. Right. So he was hired to uh, author the novelization of the Poltergeist after the first film had released. Mm -hmm. And allegedly, when he finished it, it literally, he like hit save or finished his like first draft. And the building that he was writing in was struck by lightning. No. And it was so <laughs> aggressive that the wall-mounted air conditioning unit flew off mm. and hit him in the back of the head, and he, like, lost consciousness. And when he woke back up, all the power was off, and then it started, like, flickering off and on. Like, the lights would all come on, and then everything would go off. And then no. all of his, like, video games would, like, turn on and, like, start playing themselves, and then they would, like, shut down. And uh -uh. this happened for, like an hour after and he like, kept trying to like reset the circuit because he thought there was like electrical over fry essentially mm -hmm. that is not the correct term but I just made it up um, <laughs> but he like couldn't get it to stop happening right and so he basically like thought that his manuscript was cursed and that he had almost died because an air conditioner attacked him you know just yeah. normal author things <laughs> um and then there are two more deaths that aren't technically connected to the curse because they had been sick prior to, but in the second Poltergeist, mm -hmm. if anyone hasn't seen it, there's a good spirit and a bad spirit. And actually both of those actors died after completing filming that. Mm -hmm. um, again, Julian Beck, he plays the evil spirit. He had stomach cancer, so it's not like oh my it God. wasn't... Uh, unexpected mm -hmm. but again like the timing is a little weird like he had been fighting it for 18 months I believe and then they finished filming and then he died I'm not trying I'm not laughing at his death it's just like no, super ironic but it actually <laughs> sad as it sounds he auditioned for this part and mm -hmm. he got it because of his look mm -hmm. and how it just how the cancer really you know made his body look very sickly yeah. like he had like sunken eyes sunken cheeks he very pale skin i think he was going through treatment during that period because yeah. you could tell like his hair was just very wiry and thin yeah but it made the part like yeah. if you've seen the second one it's he's he is I, very creepy he's very creepy because last night i watched the first one and the second one girl you were really doing it i was all about it the second one in my opinion was really Mm -hmm. That one was really creepy. I've only ever seen the first one. Because of him. It was extremely creepy. Oof. Yeah. He gave me the creepy feels. Yeah, girl. Mm -hmm. So the other one, ironically, was uh, Will Sampson, who plays the good spirit in the second one, mm -hmm. and who also was the uh, actor in One Fool Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm -hmm. um, which is also such a good movie. I know. Um, and apparently, when they started filming, he delayed the shoot because he was cleansing the set he like was getting bad vibes because he was a real life shaman as well he was an actor and he that's what I read in yeah. his practice he also like practiced shamanism and he delayed shooting for like two hours um to like cleanse the set which I find a little terrifying yeah like oh you're just gonna cleanse the set okay that's fine that's fine yeah he, he did like a little exorcism mm -hmm. on the set that seems fine that Seems healthy. So, and then again, he uh, had he died after they finished filming. Yeah, uh, from complications with a transplant. So mm -hmm. again, not like unforeseen. So it's traditionally the two of them are not connected with the curse per se. It's just a little suspect that they did happen to be playing like the foil to one another, and then yeah. they both died like very recently after mm -hmm. filming concluded, which I find a little creepy. 
Um, and I don't like that second one. It's too scary for me. <laughs> no, it really was. Um, and then the last one is, again, a normal causation of death. But, again, it's just like once you start connecting all these dots, like, oh, this is creepy that they all kind of were affected. Yeah. And, like, came back to this initial project. Um, Lou Perriman is an actor from the first Poltergeist. He mm-hmm. played that construction worker. Oh, yeah. So, again, very tiny part. Um, but he actually, in 2009, he was murdered in his home. Oh, yeah, that's right. He It was like an mm-hmm. axe murder? Yeah, so... Uh-uh. Yeah. Mm. Uh, his killer's name was Seth Tatum. Oh, my God. And uh, they don't really know what the motive was, but... From the report, it's that he kind of just picked a random door. He was having, like, a psychotic break, walked down the street, <gasps> and it happened to be Lou Perriman, you know, right? Like, it wasn't like he sought him out. He wasn't no, famous. it was just a random act of violence. Totally. Oh, so, no. and then he did. He was later found in his home, and he had been attacked by an axe. Oh, um, my God. And that was the thing. Again... That just seems like a random happenstance. Mm-hmm. Someone has a psychotic break and they go on a killing spree. But it is a little creepy that it just happens to be in this neighborhood the one right. person who was on this like allegedly haunted film. Like, mm, that's a little creepy. Yeah. I mean, axe murdering is creepy anyway, but that certainly doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Blink, blink. <laughs> <laughs> Stop axe murdering ex actors. It's not for you. Um, so that's like all the occurrences of the original curse. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot compared to the other ones that we talked about. Yeah. That's a lot of bad juju. Yeah, at the very least, it's very sticky feeling. Just like, oh, why are all these like kind of loosely connected? But then you start connecting the dots and feels a little gross. Like, ugh. I was I've been taking these like witchcraft classes mm-hmm. at the Mystic Museum here in Burbank, mm-hmm. led by the fabulous Mystic Dylan. Hey. And it was really cool because we learned about like the history of witchcraft, what you know Hollywood fluffed up with it, and how it has evolved to today. Mm. And about spell work, about crystals, oils and ointments, and even hexes and curses. Mm. So I was looking through my notes and I remember reading well curses or or cursing is you know manifested from one person to another or to an object or to a thing oh wow so when we say curse on a set it's like well who manifested that you know who brought that on and i feel that within time within all these stories and these thoughts and you know the media we're just feeding into this whole idea of a film being cursed where maybe that's something we manifest sure you know? And it would make sense that it's passing from and it because it actor gets worse actor. if you think about it. After the first film, it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, with all these like you know passing and you know with the death of Carol, you know I mean of Heather O'Rourke, mm-hmm. you know so oh, sweet baby and you know others. So yeah. maybe that could be an explanation for yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there were also paranormal aftermaths oh yes so along with revealing the skeletal nature of the curse no pun intended (laughs) joe beth williams who played the mom in poltergeist one two and i believe no not three but one and two told e true hollywood story that she would return home every night after filming poltergeist to find that something had tilted all the pictures in her home. Ew. I began to think, is someone trying to send me a message that I shouldn't be doing this film, Williams said to E! True Hollywood Story. And it's true, because she was the only mm-hmm. one in those crazy scenes with the skeletons. Ugh. Yes. So there was like countless take after take after take with her in the pool, mm-hmm. her running around the house with these coffins popping out with these corpses. So Lord knows what juju was attached to those, you know, corpses. And of course, like, you know, back then, the way that they were being treated. Mm-hmm. And then I read, according to bloodydisgusting.com, director Gil Keenan of the new installment of Poltergeist had some weird occurrences happen mm-hmm. to him. One of them was actually self-inflicted. 
Yeah. So he, he, you know, comes forward and he's like, yeah, this was my fault. And Mm. this is why. So the location for the house during shooting, I chose because it had a strange and unnecessary field that the houses of this particular community were built around. Keenan explained during a Reddit MAA. And we found throughout production that we had persistent and repeatable equipment failure only on that strange plot of land. Mm. For instance, lights that could turn on anywhere else in the neighborhood would blow out the second you try to light them on this specific plotted land, mm-hmm. he added. Now, also, I used a lot of aerial drone photography in the film, and the drone pilots would never be able to lock in the GPS signal in this specific plot of land. Ew. We would have to move 10 feet away to launch the craft. I was too afraid to find out what the land used to be. Mm. We filmed outside of Toronto, somewhere between Buffalo, New York, and Toronto, Ontario, and a town called Hamilton. Whoa. So this is what he was saying during that Reddit MAA. AMA. Yeah. AMA. Sorry. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. I said MAA. MMA. Even though he chose the land particularly because of its strange feel, the place he lived in during the shoot came with a surprise. A woman in black, no relation to Susan Hill's right, play, yeah. no, relation, no relation to the movie. The house that I rented during filming was straight up legit haunted Whoa. by a female spirit dressed in black explained Keenan, and I became aware of her within the first few days of staying in the house. And only after I left did I receive a call from the previous owner who moved in, who was terrified by the going-ons in the house and wanted to see if I had experienced any of it. Mm -hmm. So it was an incredible real-life inspiration Mm -hmm. for filming that followed me home. The most terrifying part of the story comes when he discovered that the ghost was following him, even onto the film set. That's so creepy. Isn't that creepy? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the ghost had no relation to the film. It's just the right. place that he just so happened to pick. So I don't know, like, the the whole, like, what's up with the town of Hamilton. I don't know what bad, like, juju it has. But mm. now we know, like, it has this specific plot of land where weird things would, you know, happen. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of, like, electrical malfunction. And then he is, you know, in this haunted Airbnb with this woman in black. Yeah. That it's weird too that he said that it like followed him back to his place that he was staying while they were filming, mm-hmm. but that it didn't like follow him home, for example, or like mm-hmm. back to LA or anything like that. That's so like site specific. Well, a lot of times they're connected to the land. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just connected to the land more than him. Ugh. Yeah. Yes. But surprisingly, I mean, yeah, it didn't follow him back to LA, but I was like, no, I'm going to stay in the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> East Coast ghost. East Coast ghost. So. Um, here's the biggest question. Was Poltergeist, the Poltergeist trilogy, cursed? What do mm. you think? Mm. Uh, maybe with, like, just unluckiness. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's hard because if you look for the number 42, you're going to find the number 42. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think there's a little bit of that where it's, like, if you want to look and find something. I think, actually, the director of this reboot yeah. was looking for whether it was like to have good promotion material or for whatever reasons he may have had i think he definitely did want a cursed set again the things that were happening in ontario like that is pretty weird but i think he like had a quote saying like that he has to like look things up basically like Mm -hmm. it's almost like picking a scab like he feels like if he looks for the worst possible thing then it like won't get him kind of so I kind of feel like with that aspect of it he is like as much to blame as any like actual curse with the original trilogy I don't know it's hard to say there just does seem to be a lot of like bad luck that at the very least followed these people it's a lot of tragic coincidences yeah Yeah. I don't know so again like do I think it was actually Haunted, not as much as some of the other ones that we've talked about, mm-hmm. but there definitely was some weird le juju. Juju, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. I, I I feel like everything that you mentioned about Keenan mm-hmm. from you know the two fe- 2015 installment mm-hmm. of the Poltergeist, it's like he was looking for something and he surely found it, mm-hmm. and it followed him. Yeah, you know that's what he you you find something and it's gonna find you. Yeah, 
before you find it. I don't think it was cursed. I think it was haunted as fuck. Mm -hmm. I just think that um, what they brought onto set manifested. Totally. You know, that's just what I believe. And, you know, like we mentioned, the individuals who passed, some of them already had pre-existing conditions. Yeah. And um, others, you know, it was just a, you know, strange stroke of bad luck. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned this too. Like, I really just don't think that Dominique Dunn's death was brought on by a freaking curse. It's just no. brought on on the fact that, you know, in light of what's everything of everything that's going on right now, this is a common occurrence with violence against women. Mm -hmm. And this yeah. has happened a lot, even in different decades and time periods, you know, mm -hmm. dating back all the way to like, you know, Thelma Todd and Oof. the Black Dahlia. Even before the Black Dahlia murder, there were a slew of murders with women, yeah. younger women, that resembled her. And yeah. um, also, mm. never forget Rebecca Schaefer, who in 1989 was gunned down in front of her apartment by a stalker. Yeah. So. I saw a very, you know, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it was still, like, pretty weighty comment mm -hmm. today. And on the left hand, it had a woman being dunked in water. And this man behind her was saying, if she's innocent of witchcraft, she'll die. And if she lives, she's guilty. <laughs> and then on the right side, it was like two frat guys looking at a woman in like modern clothing. And it said, if she's okay, it didn't happen. And if she's not okay, we like can't believe her, essentially is what it was saying. Mm -hmm. and I think that is the thing that's so frustrating especially right now is that we're in 2018 and it's really not fucking better mm -hmm. um yeah i mean we're talking about this woman who was a young actress in the 80s almost 40 years ago and we think like oh surely we've done better by these women than that mm -hmm. like surely we've come farther since the 80s since the 70s since the 50s since the 30s right since the 1800s since the 1600s like how far back do you want to go and it's like surely we are doing better for these people and we're not and it's really you know obviously i don't want to like end this on like a very downer note but this is kind of the moment that we're in where it's like you read these headlines and you're like oh my god like she was choked to death and she was put into a coma and she was fighting for her life and she had this like abusive relationship. It's like that surely wouldn't be something. But then we read the headlines and there's almost no difference. And it's just no. like, man, what a bummer. You want to know what's so messed up about her case? Sweeney was given six and a half years in prison and he only served three and a half for good behavior. He was released. I Is it sad that I... I was shocked that he even had to serve three years. Yeah. I was like, wow. That's, that's what's really fucked up. That that we're so skewed that mm -hmm. I was like, wow, he had to serve half? That's crazy. He's li living a normal, quiet life while Dominique Dunn is still buried six feet under, you mm -hmm. know? Here mm -hmm. we go. We live in the upside down world. Mm -hmm. It is very frustrating. It so, is. You know, again, to end on a slightly positive note, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. We're going to have to think about a positive note, but you know. Just well, I keep mean, fighting, keep struggling, and uh, <laughs> don't uh, choke people. <laughs> Poltergeist curse. Was it cursed or not? We don't think it was. We yeah. just think that it was a slew of tragic coincidences. But we like to know what you guys think. Yes. Yeah, definitely email us your thoughts at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com for sure. But before we end our episode, we have two major notes to yes this is a include. positive note i know Good. this is the Good biggest line right here guys so um we are also going to be doing a drawing guys by the end of this week for tickets to our live show oh that old thing oh yeah just you know just a little show make sure that you are following us on instagram facebook or twitter for details so if you live in and around the la area or say like hey i'm gonna take a, a little trip to la um during the week of halloween then you want to submit your name for the drawing so Yay. the drawing will be for a pair of tickets for our october 31st show 
and this is going to include a um, performance of Susan Hill's The Woman in Black. Oh, amazing. Followed by our performance, our live show, and then afterwards you get to sippy sippy on some wine with us. You get to meet us, take pictures with us, hang out with us, see Bryce get scared like a little girl. <laughs> yeah, that, that all seems uh, really <laughs> worth submitting. So we'll post it on our shows or meet. Just make sure you're following us to see those posts. Submit your name for a chance to win a pair of tickets. We'll definitely pull the name out of the hat. And this will not be the only drawing. We'll have like two or three more yes. for sure. And if y'all haven't seen this play, like if you've only seen the Daniel Radcliffe movie. Oh my God. Yes. And you live in the area, this is worth seeing. Like it is by far and away the scariest play I've ever seen. <laughs> it is so well done. I've never seen this version, uh, but it's coming from I don't know what's a, a little place called the West End. Yeah. So you know <laughs> Just it's a little place. Yeah, you know it's legit. But it's honestly there is something about uh, again for me, someone who hates scary movies. I will look for any way to like distance myself from the fear. And so like having a screen and like reminding myself like this is a movie, this is on a screen, you're fine. Right. Has like gotten me through some of my darkest times. <laughs> um, but there is something about like live theater that you cannot distance yourself from. No. It is scary it is a beautifully told story but oh man is it terrifying it's, it's like very terrifying that is happening in front of you in real time every single person who i've spoken to about this show have said the same thing it's one of the scariest live yeah. productions i've ever seen and i think on stage. horror theater is an, a semi-untapped market you know mm -hmm. we definitely live in like a musical theater era of theater right now mm -hmm. uh, which is amazing obviously i love that so much but like horror theater is such an untapped like rich field oh and yeah and this one like really does it so like a couple people said like oh i know but it's like halloween like i wanted them like trust me you are not you gonna regret this it is scary it ugh. will shit in your pants <laughs> <laughs> i hope not because we have to see you after so Ooh. please don't do that where it depends on bring an extra pair. Yay. There you go. All right. And also, guys, you get to e-meet us, electronically meet us if you can't make it to our live show. So here's the thing. We are going to be on the show Girls vs. Ghost on City Space on October the 24th. Oh, it's so soon. It's so soon. We'll blink and it's like, oh, hey there. Yeah. It, it's going to be a really cool show. I really love these women. They do such an amazing really job do. in the paranormal community. And it's going to be a fun show. Yeah. So you definitely don't want to miss out on it. You will definitely have to tune in to our social needs mm. to follow up on when and how to see us and how to log on to VidiSpace and all that jazz for sure. But also just a side note, just make sure that um, you guys are following us on um, our social media. Make sure you're following us on um Twitter at HWP Podcast and on Instagram and Facebook at Holly Weird Paranormal because we have a lot of great stuff planned yes. for Halloween and they're already set for Halloween. We have, we have, we're in talks of getting a, a, a special guest on the show, guys. We are in talks of getting this big, literally big guest. <laughs> he was on a he's on a very 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 famous show right now and I can't give out any more details but we're in talks with him it's Sesame Street I couldn't keep it in anymore go, I know Grover I know. You know? <laughs> there he goes Grover um, so yes you definitely want to be following us Yay. to figure out who it is because we're like we're still like in shock mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed and also just as um an echo we are having a live show october 30th and 31st at pasadena playhouse we'll be going up from 10 30 to 11 30 so we follow the woman in black mm -hmm. and you definitely don't want to miss this show you can go on um pasadenaplayhouse.org for more information yes. You'll see the little link that says Woman in Black. Just click on it, and we're a part of their um, Halloween premium package. 
if you're willing to go in, you know, and just like buy some tickets. They still have tickets available, but tune in if you definitely want to win some yes. tickets for this month for sure, guys. And don't think we're going to end this episode without giving a shout out to our spiritual base yes. of the week. We have two. There are True Crime and Chill. China Lamb and Abigail Van Winkle Hi. are the bays that like to true crime and chill with their true crime and po- comedy podcast. They will make you laugh. They will make you cry. But most of all, they will make you chill with some crazy true crime tales. Love. And the second one is The Golden Ghouls. Hi. Hosts Alyssa Menace, Emily Alston, and Kylie Smiley chat about ghosts and all things paranormal. They're all about the ghoul talk with their creepy ghost tales. They had done a great episode of My Town, New Orleans. Love. I reached out to them and I was like, that was actually a really good episode. Thank you. <laughs> so um, go check them out. They're really fun. Um, and yeah, guys. If you love Hollyweird Paranormal, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on Apple iTunes. Mm -hmm. It really helps us out a lot. It helps us become a little more visible. And like I mentioned before, if you can't get enough of us, make sure you're tuning into our current and past episodes on Blueberry.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, CastBox, Player FM, and Spotify. Ooh, guys. All right, guys. Till next time. Bryce, do you have anything you want to think? Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> What's your safe word? Uh, you'll never know. Yeah. I don't have one. <laughs> That's right. She doesn't have one. Here I go. Here I go. Here yeah. I go. Again, girl. What's my safe word? Pizza. Love it. Done. Nah. <laughs> All right. Till next time, guys. Bye. Bye.